Club podcast presented by the Longmont Public Library. I'm Jana, your host for this episode, and with me today are Devin. Hello. And Josie. Hello. To discuss our latest pick, You'll Never Believe What Happened to Lacey, Crazy Stories About Racism, by Amber Ruffin and Lacey Lamar. And spoiler alert, as usual, we'll be discussing our pick in its entirety, so if you haven't finished reading You'll Never Believe What Happened to Lacey, you might want to come back to this episode when you've done so. And here's a little note about the author. In this New York Times bestseller, an indie next pick from writer and performer Amber Ruffin and her older sister, Lacey Lamar, the sisters banter with humor and heart as they share absurd anecdotes about everyday experiences of racism. Now a writer and performer on Late Night with Seth Meyers and host of The Amber Ruffin Show, Amber Ruffin lives in New York, where she is no one's first black friend, and everyone is, as she put it, stark raving normal. Mm -hmm. But Amber's sister, Lacey, she's still living in their home state of Nebraska, and trust us, you'll never believe what happened to Lacey. From racist donut shops to strangers putting their whole hand in her hair, from being mistaken for a prostitute to being mistaken for Harriet Tubman, Lacey is a lightning rod for hilariously ridiculous yet all too real anecdotes. She's the perfect mix of polite, beautiful, petite, and black that apparently makes people think, I can say whatever I want to this woman. And now, Amber and Lacey share these entertainingly horrifying stories through their laugh-out-loud sisterly banter. Painfully relatable or shockingly eye-opening, depending on how often you have personally been followed by security and department stores, this book tackles modern-day racism with the perfect balance of levity and gravity. And let's start out with our initial ratings and impressions. Devin, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, so I listened to it as an audiobook, um, and then I also read it as an ebook. So I just flipped back and forth depending on if I was in my car or not. Um, it was it was really really funny um, in kind of a depressing way. Um, the narration is done by both sisters, um, so you can you know see, hear their voices, and they do get along very well. Um, and you can tell that there's a lot of love between them and humor. Um, it was a little too hyper for me. Um, there's a lot of times just shouting things that didn't need to be shouted. Um, but that was my only complaint. I kind of like that part because Amber Ruffin is a comedian. Yeah, she is. And that comes across. Yeah. Um, I just I, I just don't. So okay. I, um, I didn't like that part, but I, I enjoyed it as an audio shouting. Oh, just, I don't know. I can't think of an example. Oh, okay. Just, you know. Just shouting. Just shouting. <laughs> yeah, and just... Okay. Her intonation, it's like watching late night uh-huh. or stand-up comedy. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of tongue-in-cheek. It's a little bit... It is, and it's just not my thing. You know, that's just a personal choice. Okay. It's yeah. not a critique, really, against the context or the content of the book. Um, so it, it was good. It was, it was hard to read in the sense that it's a hard topic, mm-hmm. and it made me feel uncomfortable at times, um, and it made me really think to myself, oh my gosh, have I ever done that? You know, have I ever made somebody feel uncomfortable? And I hope that I haven't, of course. Um, but it, it was a good book. I, I'm going to give it four stars. And Josie, how about you? Yep. Uh, I'm a four star for this one as well. I loved the interaction between them. Um, I have an older sister and I'm not sure how far apart they are, but 
I, I really enjoyed their relationship. <clears throat> Excuse me. After this book was written, Seth Meyers had Amber on his show with Lacey. <laughs> they had the same dress on, and <laughs> and and that was Amber's fault because Lacey bought the dress first that she wanted to wear to this interview, and then Amber bought the exact same one just to be an annoying little sister. Oh, on purpose. On purpose. Okay, I thought that was on accident. And she was like, do my hair just like Lacey's, and my makeup just like Lacey's. Um, and, you know, Lacey rolls with it. And As of- an older sister of three, <laughs> <laughs> three, you know, sisters, yeah. I have one of four girls. Yeah, that would. Yeah. Um, it, it looks like this happens quite often. <laughs> Amber's kind of ornery. Oh, little sisters. Um, yes, but the book was, it was really well written I think um, a lot of flabbergasting stories uh, a lot of laughter a lot of you know face plants and face palms whatever you want to call that um, I like how humor is used to sort of diffuse a topic like this um, I liked how she sort of wrote to two audiences you know to the black folks mm-hmm. you know you're not alone um, and then to the white folks reading it you know, um, shape up, shape up and, and, and speak out and no, you know, black people aren't exaggerating when they say there's tons of microaggressions throughout their life in everyday spaces. And I grew up, I grew up in Kansas, um, very, very white spaces. I'm still in very white spaces. Um, so, you know, this was a, this was a good, um, look into someone else's life and the mm-hmm. things that they have to go through. So, um, yeah, I loved it. I would read a sequel. Mm-hmm. Angie's sequel, I think that's supposed to come out, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of her other sisters. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I have to agree that um, about the humor and about the cathartic nature of humor that we saw when we did Jenny Lawson's book, um, mm-hmm. I think that that was a big undertone here of um, how do we get through these situations? Will we call our sister and we like – talk about it on the phone and we're sort of like oh haha that's so hilarious but it's also deeply disturbing right um but it does help us to get through those moments when we can laugh about them there's been Um, a lot of books um you know especially since the george floyd murder about um this topic and a lot of them are academic Mm -hmm. and you know i mean this is nonfiction, but like you know, super nonfiction and, you know, historical things and, you know, legislation. And this, I don't know of another book that approaches this topic with this kind of humor. Mm-hmm. So it was nice. It was That's refreshing. True. And it yeah. was easier as a white person myself, I suppose, to digest it. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, and for that reason, I, I also give it horror stars. I think it checked all the boxes. It really meets a lot of different needs. Yeah. I really like this quote that she has at the beginning. Uh, She writes, when something shitty happens to you and you never say anything about it, it festers Uh Mm -hmm. and it's bad for you. Uh And so I think we're in a moment, you know, we had Me Too and that was part of the process and and we're in this kind of racial reckoning where I think black people need their stories to be out there, to be heard, and this is a way to get those stories out there. And as Devin was saying, it's a little bit more palatable maybe Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. white audiences because it does have that level of humor and it's well it takes your takes your defense down you know yeah you know if it, yeah. a book was like all white people are terrible you guys did all this bad stuff to us you know you suck i you know right. i would not not i would agree but i would still be a little defensive you know mm-hmm. i didn't do anything but therein lies the problem yeah so yeah yeah exactly
So yeah, pick this book up. Mm -hmm. um, it's available at the library in multiple formats. Yep. <clears throat> so we're did gonna... you listen to it, Jenna? I, I did listen to it. I also checked it out because it does have uh, pictures in the book. Yes, mm -hmm. the pictures are fantastic. Yeah. 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 yeah Lovely well. ladies. That whole, <laughs> that whole series of people she's been told oh, she Oh, that was so like. funny, but yeah, I feel guilty saying funny. Well, it is funny, and they agree it's funny. Yeah, so we we live in Colorado here, and one of the stories is how she's in. She's visiting Estes Park, um, oh, she, which is no, at the gateway is it to... Estes Park or Lions? No, it's, it was Estes, because oh, she was okay. visiting Rocky Mountain. Is it Estes or Estes? Did I say it wrong? I don't know. I'm asking I you. Do we know? Estes. You said Estes. Okay. okay. Well, maybe it's because you like French. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. She was visiting Estes Park. <laughs> and I guess I don't have my Coloradan down yet. No. Sorry. I'm um, teasing you. But yeah, there's a shopkeeper that is kind of drawn to, I think it's Lacey, right? Lacey. Uh -huh. um, and she's like coming over and she's like, oh, you can have all this free stuff. So I just want to give you here. all this stuff. And she's like, whoopee. <laughs> and, and then she realized, oh, she thinks I'm Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> so funny. And that's why she's giving me all this free stuff. But yeah. like, hey, I'll take it. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. Don't be so ignorant. God. Lady and Estes. Yeah. 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 Whoopi Goldberg. That's just one of the stories. So yeah. Yeah. The pictures, I think they add a lot. They do. They definitely they add do. a lot. I, I tend to sure. read these podcast books using various formats. Like uh -huh. I, I bounce around between ebook, yeah, that's print book and audiobook. Cool. Yeah. Right. Makes a difference. It can. All right, we'll move on to our questions for discussion and thanks to the Hashit book group for these questions. Question number 1. Racism obviously exists everywhere, but Amber and Lacey describe having very different experiences of racism in their current lives. In your experience, have you noticed different forms of racism in different parts of the country or not? Um, yeah, yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with what you're exposed to, how much diversity you live with, you know, and, 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 uh, Amber's in New York, right? New York city, which mm -hmm. I mean, that's maybe one of the diverse, most diverse places on <laughs> Where earth. Where she calls everybody stark raving normal. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. What? Um, and Nebraska, I can imagine, um, is like Kansas where I'm from. I, it's, it's just very whether it you know there are different people living there it's it's a mostly white place and uh i think it does matter where you're at what what you're going to hear um said out loud mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. maybe other people are quieter with mm -hmm. their racist thoughts and things like that um mm -hmm. And then just some places, they're just like, whoa, you know? I mean, they just don't hide it at all. They don't hide it at all, or they don't really see that it's hurtful. And, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think it does matter. Place does matter. I, uh, I'm from Norman, Oklahoma. I um, lived there for 33 years. Um, and while Oklahoma is fairly conservative, and I don't know, I would, wouldn't consider it the South, but yeah, there was definitely racism um, that I saw, um, you know, just out and about in the world, you know, mm -hmm. people cutting in front of line, you know, in, in front of non-white people. Um, oh. I do remember that happening. Um, there was, like Josie said, you, you come from a, a pretty white place. And, and I would say Oklahoma is, is, is white as well. Mm -hmm. um, Norman being a little bit more diverse because it's college town. Yeah. And so it's a little bit more liberal, it's a little liberal as you can get in Oklahoma. Um, there were a lot of Native Americans um, one of my best friends through high school was full blood Cherokee. Um, 
I didn't have a whole lot of black friends. Um, I wasn't against it. I just didn't, you mm-hmm. know, meet any that I, you know, um, became friends with. Um, my parents, though, were very conscious of trying to expose us to different kinds of people. And they've said this to me that, yeah, we did this on purpose. They had, you know, an interracial, you know, married couple mm-hmm. that they brought over to the house. Um, very poor people, very rich people. Um, the only people that I wasn't really exposed to was um, people with physical disabilities, mental disabilities. And still to this day as an adult, I'm ashamed to admit, I, that's the demographic that I'm more like not uncomfortable with, but I find myself being really careful, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so there is that. Um, you know, I'll admit that. I'm proud of it. But, yeah, I mean, that I saw more racism than I see here in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And even where I live in Fort Collins, it's pretty white still. Yeah. Um, but I think people are more conscious of it mm-hmm. and try to realize it and avoid being racist. Mm-hmm. I mean, then don't you think there's a generational component? Absolutely. Too? Probably. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I remember my grandpa saying some pretty offensive things mm-hmm. Yeah, when I was growing up. It's definitely generational. My yeah. grandmother's from Lawton, Oklahoma, which, oh boy, if you've ever been there. Um, yeah, they're pretty racist. Um, and she, she, my grandmother, was racist. Um, one of my sisters married a black man and, you know, wonderful person. But my grandma was very like, what are you doing? You know, mm-hmm. why are you letting her marry, you know, somebody outside of her race? Yeah. And then my grandma, who was a wonderful person, you know, besides that, really became, you know, loved loved my brother-in-law yeah. um, and, and kind of changed her tune, sure. which was wonderful to see. But I can distinctly yeah. remember a... Um, a Girl Scout trip. We went on um, one of the the troop leaders. Um, I mean, she thought it was you know against the Bible to have interracial couples. And wow, talking about it like, and I, I know even then I was like, that's weird. I mean, <laughs> my parents were not by any means radicals, but I mean, I think we were some of the only Democrats. I knew. <laughs> um, so so that was yeah. That's the kind of stuff that I got to hear. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, speaking of stories, um, question two, which of Lacey's stories surprised you the most? What do you think made it unexpected? Surprised me? So I would say the one where she was in the math class and the teacher was giving her harder, harder problems. And then she went to the back of the class and decided she was bad at math. But the story that surprised me the most was when she was telling, you know, one of her, I think one of her children's teachers this, right? She was at a teacher's parent teacher conference and the guy was like, well, get up on the board and you're not bad at math. You know, I thought that surprised me. It's like, good, good on this guy. You know, I'd love to shake his hand and be like, good for you. Maybe he just was passionate about math and I don't know, but yeah. I kind of feel like that happened to me. You know, I don't think my race had anything to do with it. I just hated math and wasn't very good at it and didn't ever have good math teachers. And I think it was gendered, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So that's the story that surprised me the most. Huh. Just because I didn't think anyone would, <laughs> would be decent. Gonna, yeah. Sadly. Um, the one that, it, that shocked me the most and hit me the hardest, and unfortunately it's not surprising to me, was the whole um, the white church, oh. the worst place mm-hmm. on earth. And... Because I grew up in the church, and I grew up going to these camps and uh, these Bible studies and things and listening to to people. Um, I don't recall ever hearing outright racist things. Um, you know, it, 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 it pains me that there's so much 
white supremacy and racism in in many denominations. Um, so that those were those were some of the hardest things that that I heard and how and how Lacey and her family got treated. I mean, it's disappointing. Very disappointing. No. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, the, she said that there was a white pastor um, who said, "quote Music with drums is satanic jungle beats from Africa." Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just pure ignorance. Yeah. I mean, that's just yeah. factually not true. I mean, church is, you know, supposed to be, I didn't grow up in church, but it's supposed to be a safe space. It's supposed to be, you know, you drop all that judgment coming through the door, which we're human beings. Like, oh, that doesn't really God, happen. It's, but yeah. it's almost seems the opposite. Yeah, it's quite. It, it's, can, it can be a wonderful place. Yes. It can be like that, but it can yes. also be one of the most hateful places, it too. It, it's definitely a place where there's tribalism. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and those those people, you know, that, at the Girl Scout camp, you know, oh, biblically, you know, we're not supposed to mix these children of ham or whatever the hell they say. Um, so that was that was probably the one that didn't surprise me, but it was it was upsetting, for sure. Disappointing. I, yeah, for me, it was the story of not having her white friends stand up for her in any way mm-hmm. when she was working at the sandwich shop um, in yeah. Omaha. And um, she was in West Omaha, which she says is famous for its whiteness. Um, and her boss said, your braids are so gross. Why, don't, why won't you take them out and straighten your hair like the rest of you people do? And she had her white friend there um, who was also, I think, working at the shop. And she, I mean, she was sure that her white friend would, would intervene. And um, she just nodded her head in agreement with their boss. Um, and then she talks about how the best piece of advice she ever received from, um, you know, their parents um, was that their little white friends, as they called them, yes. they love them, but they have no idea what racism is or how to stand against it. Given the chance, they will leave you high and dry, not because they hate you, but because they can't see what is happening. I have I had that marked as well. <laughs> and that's such a powerful story. And it's so Absolutely. heartbreaking. But I think that really gets right to the core of what this book is about and why it's so important to get these stories and the messages out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, because white people, you know, maybe these good, these girls, these white friends had good intentions and they did, you know, they did care about them. But, Absolutely. But they just, you know, they don't, they're not educated on racism mm-hmm. and they, they don't know what to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the girl. <laughs> Poppy, the one that um, her mom, they are oh. having a Bible study at the house, and her mom was like, your friends have to leave, or they have to stay in the kitchen or something. No. And Poppy, well, good for Poppy, you know, for trying to stand up to her mom, you know, the best that she could. Yeah. I mean, she was awfully old, obviously old enough to drive, so, like, how do you do that to little kids? I don't know. I don't understand it. But, I mean, this is littered with adults doing horrible things to the children. I know. You know, Lacey, and she's, I don't know how old she was elementary school and she goes to that art camp you know and she's yeah. got those chubby's crayons and that teacher's like well these aren't you know takes them away like like she stole them just thinking that that's the first thing that she thought you know well, you stole them or i mean god i don't know this is <laughs> these adults just yeah. being so awful awful like what's wrong with you you, know, you can say okay like you know lacy what what is she's probably like i don't know how old she is maybe she's in her 40s or something probably yes. um you know, so you can kind of say, oh, well, maybe it was a time thing. But then, I mean, all these adult jobs that Lacey has, 
in these nursing homes and places like that. I mean, they're just and the HR people. What the hell? Like, how are you not fired immediately? Treating your employees like this? I know. You know I know. I just it's, it was just <laughs> yeah. What? Something that that like you just said kind of stood out to me in terms of like, can you imagine growing up with the repetition of these? Yes. And something that I've heard um, from mental health professionals is that if you if you have this kind of persona put on you, like you're the bad sibling or whatever, right? And it's just drilled into you again mm-hmm. and again, self fulfilling, and that can become your identity, right? Yes. You, yeah, self fulfilling. You start um, to hate yourself, or yeah, yeah, um, and you turn into the bad sibling because that's the expectation of your family. Yeah, but I think I have to give it to, you know, Lacey and Amber's parents. Yeah, that that these these girls turned into women who are successful and who who stand up and say, no, this is not okay. You're not doing this. Lacey does it yeah. time and time and time again. Yeah. And she's it takes so yeah. much courage and so much self-esteem. Yeah. And The mm-hmm. mom did a good job of modeling oh my that behavior, with, especially with the whole shopping and being followed and yes. being pulled back into yes. secret offices. and She just... Would not let it stand. Yeah. yeah, she was a very fierce mother. She was, she was and she taught her her girls. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, yeah, I mean that brings us to the topic of emotional labor, which is a big um, piece of this book. I mean, there's an emotional labor quiz that's included with a quiz for white people, and so I think she's basically saying like there's many different um, ways that. Black people can react when faced with racism. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's okay to do any or all of them. It's mm-hmm. okay to walk away. It's okay to stand up for yourself. It's yeah. okay to try to educate. But that at the end of the day, it's really up to that person. And you can only do, you can only put up with what you can put up with when you can put up with it. And I love that quote because I feel like that was something I could really relate to as a woman, just with the intersectionality of this book, and I realize these are black women, and black women have had it even tougher than white mm-hmm. women, but I could still relate to some of the comments mm-hmm. um, as a woman, some of the creepy stuff yeah. that men will say. Mm-hmm. And there's just days when you're like, I'm just going to ignore this. Like, I can't even, I can't even muster mm-hmm. the gumption to respond right now, right? Mm-hmm. And there's other days where you're like, excuse me, you're not going to call me that. Right. Like, you can call me my name. And, like, I, right. you know, when we have library patrons or whoever, yeah. they're like, hey, sweetie. Uh-huh. And some people think that I'm being overreacting because it bothers me. But, you know, I talked to my husband, and he's a professional, and his clients don't call him that. Yeah. And that's where I'm like, okay, you know, it bothers me. And some days I might say something, but other days I might not. And that was something that I could really – relate to and I know that it's it's a totally another mm-hmm. different level when you add the race on yeah. top of it yeah. but I do think that as women that was something that I could personally relate to sure. yeah it's uh, I think uh, it's page 272 in the book I mean anyone can say anything they want to at anyone at all it's just personally if I do the math of what will happen once I talk to a white person about the time a racist thing happened to me it will not have been worth it now, the possibility always exists that they will be empathetic and understanding, but other reactions are possible too. Sometimes you tell a person and they listen, and then they ask, why don't you stand up for yourself? 
or you're having talked to them about this means they can ask you every question about race that pops into their minds, or you see the weird way that they cannot relate, that they cannot only can't relate but don't want to. And then you have to know that about them. It's hard to put into words, but it's a minefield I choose not to walk in. Yeah, and then she does the quiz for white people, so. Yeah. Or that they say, oh, that didn't happen, or they deny it. Yeah. I found some of these stories hard to believe. I mean, I'm not saying they didn't happen, you know, by any stretch of the imagination, but it was like, how can somebody be so stupid yeah. and so mean? I don't know. And I don't, I, I, I don't like, know. And, and like you, Jen, I kind of, throughout the book, was trying to be like, how can I relate to this? How can I, have I ever been in a situation like this? And the only thing I can think of is being a woman. You know, you sometimes are treated differently because you're a woman. Of course, not to the same level at all as, you know, being a person of color. But I I had to pause and be like, wow, I'm pretty privileged. Yeah. You know, I don't know how I would react. The whole cop stories infuriate me too. It's like I've been, I've interacted with cops maybe three times in my entire life and I've always been treated nicely I've always been treated respectfully mm-hmm. I've never felt afraid for my life yeah. and she at least half a dozen times be like this is where I could die she really and truly feared for her life yeah. in a normal not a normal situation mm-hmm. a situation that people find themselves in every day yeah. I yeah. just this, this this cop screaming at her you know pull the f over mother ever you know and just hurling curse words at her, this 19-year-old girl yeah. as she's driving down the highway for, like, the first time or whatever. Yeah, and she's freaked about, yeah. Yeah, and she's trying not to speed, and it's like, I appreciate that he was nice to her afterwards, but yeah, that, I can't imagine living with that kind of fear. Or just the basic, you know, going to the doctor's office. Mm-hmm. That story where she goes in there and you're like, I'm having an appointment. <sighs> you're supposed to be over in the other room. You know, and she, she just looks at her and sends her over there thinking that she wants needs food stamps and things like that, you know? I mean, yuck. Yeah. <laughs> you can't even get yeah. yourself checked up on, you know? I mean, yeah. it's at I the mean, grocery stores. It's just everywhere. It's, there's so many elements in interactions like that, racism probably being the most heavy. But there's there's classism. There's, you know, I've been on food stamps before. Mm-hmm. They treat you like crap there. Yeah. No yeah. matter what. You know, and then I'm not going in there, you know, with unshowered and holes in my clothes. You know, not that there's anything wrong with that, but they look down on you. Absolutely. um, Whether you're. They assume things about you. Right. And I don't want to say, oh, whether you're black or white, they treat you that way. Because I'm sure that people of color get treated, you know, worse. It's compounded, yeah. It's compounded, yes. Well, I recommend a a graphic. It's called The Flower of Power. That um, flower of power. Yeah, right. <laughs> that I learned about when I was studying um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh-huh. Um, if you Google it, you'll see an image, and it does show how. Uh, so there's a core, um, you know, our core being, and then there's the petals around it. There's a couple layers of petals, mm-hmm. um, and as they go out, it's showing um, all the different parts of our identity. You know, like your your race, your religion, your mm-hmm. gender, mm-hmm. Um, your class, mm-hmm. all of these different things that make us individual individuals, right. and then um, that all plays into how we're treated and how we're perceived in society. And your f- the first impressions, um, yeah, yeah. And there's this really interesting kind of exercise you can do where you line a bunch of people up and you say like okay if you were white take two steps forward yeah, if I've you're the child of divor- you know parents that divorced take a step back right. you know if you lived in poverty take a step back right. if you 
all these different mm-hmm. things. And it really puts into perspective, I think, some of what we're talking about here, the intersectionality of all these different things um, and how it affects how you're treated in society. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I thought was super interesting was where folks can sometimes take maybe one of their identities that might be an identity which is less privileged and less powerful. Like, for example, she says there's a lady at work who tells you she's gay every half an hour in the hope she can say inappropriate black stuff. Um, And that's not how it works, she writes. Um, (laughs) Like she can identify with being a minority of some kind. Right, exactly. So I think it's interesting, right, because you can – having these different identities allows us, if you are in a group that has been – you know, mistreated mm-hmm. um, or repressed historically. Yeah. We can identify with some of it, but it's not an excuse no. to say, well, I am. I can say whatever I want or I can right. be no. a racist in this other part of my life. And it's interesting because I, I did this, um, I think we want so badly to sort of, we're social creatures, you know, so we want to be able to pick something from a person we read about and say, oh, I've experienced that in this way. Yeah. Or, you know, and I can see how I bet sometimes, you know, like like if a, a person of color is telling about one of these stories, how they were treated with racism or, or something like that, and then you're like, oh, yeah, well, this happened to me, thinking we can elevate, you know, put mm-hmm. things on the same level. Connect mm-hmm. somehow. I mean, yeah. I did it at the last podcast. I think I cut it out <laughs> in the editing because it was it was stupid. But, you know, she's talking about being an Asian American, right? Mm-hmm. and and uh, getting picked on at school. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, you know, I kind of understand that because I had glasses and I got picked on. Yeah, you can you can take your glasses off. You can't take your Asian-Americanness right. off. Right, and and I didn't do it because I wanted to discount that experience, right. but trying to identify. And sometimes we just can't identify, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. especially as a as a ethnic group that's been in power and mm-hmm. has all these privileges. We, we may desperately want to identify, but I don't think... We can't. I don't think we can either. All we can do is is read these kinds of books. Yeah. Yeah. And that creates empathy mm-hmm. and awareness. And we don't have to bring ourselves into it and our experiences. We can just say, this is your experience, and I'm going to honor that, and yeah. I'm going to do my best to not to never add to it. <laughs> add to it. Yeah. And to stand up and help you when, you know, when it happens. Right. And, and I guess. Right. And I... I was talking with you earlier, Josie, about how like I think it's okay to have some sort of I don't know, this sounds terrible. Not not racism, but like I think everybody when you walk into a room and it's filled with people who look like you or people who don't look like you, mm-hmm. there is a different reaction. You have a different gut feeling. If I was to walk in a room full of men mm-hmm. and I was the only woman, I would feel intimidated. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if I was to walk into a room full of super wealthy people, Mm -hmm. I would feel intimidated. If I was to walk into a room full of black people, I would feel intimidated. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I suspect. I think it's evolution, too. Right. I suspect if a black person walked into a room full of white people, they would feel intimidated. Uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. I mean, and I don't know. I can't speak for anybody else. But I suspect that's a universal reaction. And that is okay to feel that way. We can we can feel that way, and we can admit we feel that way, and it's okay, and not feel guilty. But it's your actions that follow that mm-hmm. that make or break the difference, right? That's why we need diverse spaces, right? Right. Yeah. You know, diversity is scary, according to right. people. Yeah, <laughs> and and just to say, 
I think she she says there are times I think this is Amber saying, you know, I don't I don't educate people anymore. I'm I'm done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically done with that. Feel how exhausting that is mm-hmm. that every time you're confronted with that, it's like your job. Yeah. To I mean, Lacey's like, it's not okay to say that word anymore. Yeah. It's not okay, you know? I mean, yeah, and we appreciate that, um, you know, what, what Lacey's doing. But, but yeah, people out yeah. there listening, you know, get this book. If you're white, educate yourself. Yeah. I mean, just do it because... And you'll laugh. It's quite funny. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's really, funny and it's just sad a little bit. It is. It's just... And it's infuriating. The interactions with the police officers make me really mad. Like... Yeah. I love how she Ooh. spells ho h e. Yeah. <laughs> ho, and and this whole this whole these pages, um, under is this a joke? And she's like, you know, Lacey's hair and 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 different hairstyles and what they've been called. Yeah. You know, she's got the afro. When people call it cornrows, she's got her curly wig, and they call it quote unquote real hair and et cetera. And then <laughs> she's in dreadlocks, and the name the things that people call it Medusa hair worms. Yeah. Muslim hair covering. Jeez. These things. Just, oh, my God. It and where she's m- getting mis- mistaken for, like, Whoopi Goldberg and Oprah. <laughs> and it's like, Harriet. what? These people don't look anything alike. <laughs> yeah. Like. Uh, oh, and she does, you know, talk about that whole, um, you know, you can't tell Asian people apart. You know, where you can't tell. They all just end up looking the same. Right. No, no, that's not true. That's not true. And that's then and she kind of like, okay, well, can you tell, you know, in a room full of white people, oh, that person's from Finland and that person's from Germany. You know, no, you can't tell. No, no. no. But they don't look like one they homogenous. They, yeah, it's ridiculous. Know? That's just ridiculous. That's just people just. Laziness. Seeing, that's people seeing just skin color and glazing over anything else. I mean, that's, it's laziness. It's ignorance it's i mean pull your head out of your you know what right i don't know it's yeah it's, it's disgusting terrible. it's terrible but it's there were some things that it's that I, that i found myself saying well did this really happen because of your skin color like i was telling josie earlier i was like i've been at the grocery store and trying to use a self-checkout and got flustered and there's you know some grumpy old lady behind me <laughs> huffing and puffing and you know and as i was reading i was like well that's happened to me before that's just a, you know a grumpy old lady and then we get to the end where she's screaming the N-word at them yeah. in the parking lot. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that's never happened to me before. I've never been called a prostitute. I have. You have? Oh, my God. Well, not we need to hear one, this story. mistaken for one. Oh, what were you wearing? staying at such a cheap French hotel. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was like when we had no money and we were it happens. studying over there. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. It was just... Were was you with like, your husband? Yeah, and but... Yeah, it was just like it was just the hotel it was like the cheapest hotel I've, huh. I've been like he's the prostitute, not me. <laughs> I hired him. We didn't realize. It. Oh my yeah. goodness. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I was also I'm a dancer, so I I you know I found out during when I I guess when I started studying more about racism that they didn't make tights in different skin tones no. until wow. relatively recently. Right. Really. I think the same with um, coverage, like makeup too. Yeah. Oh my God, her makeup. Yeah. Story. Oh God. Yeah. And that's, did you see that picture? I've still I've seen stuff on social media. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awful. Poor thing. And she's so pretty. I know. <laughs> and it's just that this stuff has persisted so long in our society, just because white people are, you know, at the head of these companies, mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. just not thinking. I know. Or that girls' home, you know. where the where they had all kinds of hair products. Yeah. For white hair. Yeah. 
but they didn't have any products for um, black type of hair, right? Yeah. And yeah. they're like, well, that's, you know, that's, you've earned that or something. Is that, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Wow. Well, we've talked a lot about uh, many of these stories um, that invite, that involve white people who are clueless <laughs> and they have quite absurd behavior. And how would you ladies respond to something like this in the actual moment? Do you think you your response would depend on whether you were a bystander or whether you were directly involved? I mean, it, it, context. If I'm you know, on a New York subway and I see some racist stuff going down and I'm by myself, probably not going to step in because I don't want to die. You know, that sucks to say, I guess. Mm -hmm. If I was at the library, you know, at work and I heard some racist stuff going down, yes, I would absolutely step in. And Well, you guys have all, I'm sure, we've had, you've had patrons who who go off. Oh, yeah. And they're, and they're, yeah. And you're just like, oh my God, you know, just shut up. Yeah. I've never seen... I've never been witness to a racist incident um, that I was directly involved in, that it wasn't already being taken care of. Sure. Um, but have you ever have people that just are talking to you about things? Oh. And they just get into, and you're like. Oh, you mean. You're like, uh, okay, you know, you need, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to listen to that. I don't want to hear that. Yes. Not about racism, more about, you know, tr- political stuff, Trump being oh, super awesome. Sure. And okay. I'm just like, okay. Yeah, I've had a Can couple of words. Can please. Yeah, where it's been like. And where I've never, I've no, I haven't said anything like that. I haven't stopped and said, no, sir, Trump is, the fin-, you know, <laughs> you know, whatever. No, I, I mean, I don't, I don't correct them. I'm just like, I don't, that is not stuff I want to hear. Just, you don't, don't talk to me like that about. I think. Or these Mexicans or these blah, 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 you know, I mean, they. If I was like at a grocery store and I felt relatively safe in the situation, yeah, I would step in. There's another issue too, like. You know that you're this like white savior person. Yeah. See, it's like I mean, I you guess want to be seen as that either. You don't. Um, and maybe I would like if I was in line and I was witnessing this incident where somebody was being really rotten to this this person, and the person does their thing and leaves. You know, I don't know if I'd jump in, but I would definitely say something to that clerk, mm-hmm. or maybe to the manager or something. There, I don't know. I don't know. It just depends. What about you, Jenna? I mean, children, obviously, you're going to protect them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I think it's a, it's a hard question because um, I just feel like coming from the customer service perspective, I've been trained to just kind of let it roll. Sure. Right? And, and, and not engage or disengage and not to um, just full-on respond. Yeah. Um, and it takes a certain amount of gumption and feeling secure in yeah. your position True. Um, yeah. to speak up. Yeah. And so I think that that's something in my personal life that, that I'm working on when I encounter that. Yeah, some of it's, you know, um, they're just spewing their stuff and you, you're just not engaged, you know, whatever. You don't want to judge the worthiness or unworthiness of what they're talking about. But, yeah, I, I feel like it's certain things that just, like, I'm not, we're done with that. Yeah. Yeah. This is not Move along. related to the job at all. Nope. Um, and I don't, I'm not here as your sounding board for no. your racist, You're spewing sexist. Crap. Right. Yeah. I like that our director has taught us to just walk away. And I think mm-hmm. that's a very mm-hmm. effective mm-hmm. technique. Thank you, Nancy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 You don't have to sit there and listen to that. Nobody, none of us do. Question number five. Amber and Lacey were discussing these stories together long before they had decided to write a book about them. 
What is the impact of sharing experiences like this? I talked about this a little bit in the beginning, um, just because she writes about it being uh, important for people to share stories, that it is important for not only white people to read this book, but it's important for black people to pick it up too, to feel that they're not alone. I mean, I doubt they really feel they're alone, right? But to feel like their voices are being heard Mm -hmm. um, and that the stories are getting out there and that they have these advocates in these two sisters. Mm -hmm. And kudos to Amber for taking her, um, you know, her celebrity and her talents and, and writing this book. I think she could have written a different book just about her life. Um, but she chose to write this book, and she chose to be an advocate um, and speak out. So I wanted to say thanks for that. Yeah. I mean, the impact of sharing similar experiences, good and bad, is that, you know, you feel you have, you know, somebody in your corner. Yeah, there's, um, it's at the, it's kind of at the end of the book, and I marked it because I, I thought it was a good sort of wrap-up. You know, she's like, you made it through this crazy book. And then she's like, we are not trying to educate white America. But maybe we accidentally did. Maybe white readers learn that just because your black friends aren't sitting you down, going over all their trauma with you, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Maybe you learn that racist stuff happens all the time. Maybe you've become emboldened to speak up when you see someone being a racist piece of shit. Maybe you've realized the racist piece of shit was you. I don't know. Yeah, it was a good book. It was, you know, it it moved along quickly. It's you know, easy to read in the sense of not a lot of whole tough paragraphs to get through. I mean, it was... And it's just really quite funny. It is Um, quite funny. Far beyond um, white supremacy and racism being old news and something that happened in the past, it's... What? I mean, Mm -hmm. it's really coming to the fore. Oh, yeah. Like, it's become much more mainstream than it... It maybe it, used to be for a little while. I, I agree with you. Um, People are emboldened. Yep. And, and, I, and it's this whole idea of this think I know why. great replacement idea that all these, you know, dark and brown people are coming in and they're, they're going to take over. And I, I think I think this is not going to lessen. It's going to just increase. I don't, I don't, I think replacement theory is ridiculous. I don't think that's... I mean, I know people believe it, but... Yeah, it's it's BS. Yeah. Old as the hills, you know? Yeah. I mean, they're fighting history being taught in schools because it makes white people look bad. I mean... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's very disturbing. It is. So I think this is a definitely a timely book to people who think, oh, well, racism doesn't happen anymore. Right. That's a great point, Josie. Mm-hmm. And we can see... I'm here every day. <laughs> sexism taken off as well I yeah I I thought it was interesting when she was writing about white tears and black vulnerability mm-hmm. um, and she's saying well why why do white tears work so well and it's truly a great defense against being called a racist yep. so when people are like well I'm not a racist and we can cry and and she's like well hey you know it doesn't work for black people uh, can you imagine if black people cried every time we were called a name, every time we were accused of something we didn't do? Yeah, it's a deflection technique. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think I think that that fits in nicely with the the question of you know sharing 
experiences, coming to terms with this reckoning that our society has Mm -hmm. been having um, in the face of this rising tide of more racism Mm -hmm. to say, you can't just say it doesn't exist and start crying or get mad. It's, it's, I don't know. It's, and I think it it takes, it takes us saying, looking at ourselves deeply and saying, you know, no, I don't wear a white hood. I don't blah, 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 blah. But yeah, I, I have soaked in a whole lot of racism and it's deeply embedded. And I will admit that. And that's, that's a hard thing to do. That's the hard thing to do. Really hard and mature thing to do. But it's, it takes a lot of unlearning. Mm-hmm. I mean, like we, like I said earlier, like I don't, I don't, I wouldn't call myself a racist. I don't think I'm, a, you know, mm-hmm. I don't treat people who look differently than me any different. I don't think, um, you know, and I'll, after reading this book, we'll try to be more, you know, conscious of that. But there's nothing wrong with, you know, first impressions. You know, I mean, you meet somebody for the first time and all those stereotypes kind of happen. And I think it happens to everybody, not just white people. I mean, you see, you know, somebody who may look, you know, unhoused and you're like, oh, this person either, you know, maybe, you know, dangerous dangerous or, you know, wants just money off me or whatever. And, and I, and I, I worded that wrong. There, there's not, not something wrong with that. You should not do that. But you have to overcome that feeling. Like, because that happens to you doesn't mean you are a bad person, but don't have your actions follow that sure. train of thought. Yeah. Um, I think it's I think it's it's a mental sort of shortcut. You know, our brains like oh, to. Oh, yeah. Because that's why we have stereotypes. Yeah. Just because I don't want to have to spend all this time trying to figure out how mm-hmm. I'm going to interact with you mm-hmm. and blah, 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 right? So you just sort of, your initial look and say, mm-hmm. okay, I could put this person in this box. Yeah. But you, but you have to get over that. Get over it. Yeah. And that is to, hard. Learn how to short circuit it. Yeah. Yeah. That's hard. It's um, hard. And I think everybody does that. We it, can do it. We can do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought that that story about the, the supervisor that Lacey had um, is super telling in this instance, like where she said. Which one? Which he, awful uh, one? She writes. I know. So, okay. So he was the one where. Um, they were in a meeting and they were talking about children in Africa who got donated laptops. Oh, yes. And she said this man was so surprising because um, of all of Lacey's supervisors that she had had in her life, he had said the fewest racist things. Yeah. But then when he was kind of thinking about these children getting donated laptops in Africa, his comment was, I'm against it. And then when when they pressed him on that, or when he had to explain himself, he basically was like, well, I don't, I don't get the point. Like, what are they going to do with what they learned from the laptops? And that was... What everybody else with laptops why do. Why he was Play against games. it. And she said that, you know, the one, it was the one who had said the fewest racist things out loud, mm-hmm. had the deepest, most stank beliefs just festering in his heart. Thank you, Josie and Devin, for a great discussion of You'll Never Believe What Happened to Lacey, Crazy Stories About Racism by Amber Ruffin. And next month, we'll be discussing our first romance novel, The Bride Test, by USA Today bestselling author Helen Huang. 
described by the publisher as a romantic novel about love that crosses international borders and all the boundaries of the heart. And thank you for listening to Book Chatter, the book club for busy people.